With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, a service of the Black Science Fiction Society.com website. Join it. A lot of content, a lot of fun, a lot of games there. This is the March 10th, 2017 edition, and we are going into the Daylight Savings uh, weekend, which kind of always messes me up. I mean, like, uh, well, okay, I'll give you an example. You know, I have clients in in, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Indiana, and like um, you know, some of them are in a different time zone. Like like when it's noon here in Chicago, it's uh, 1959 in Indiana, and I always have a problem with that. So uh, it's it's just confusing weekend. Tonight's special guest is Marcus Haynes. He has a lot of uh, credits to him, a lot of accolades, and. Uh, I guess, you know, rather than me sitting here singing his praises, let's just jump right in. Uh, welcome, Marcus, and uh, it w- I'm extremely glad to have you on the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be on the show. Um, and Good. you mentioned before you're down in Houston visiting. Oh, what are you doing down there? Are you at a convention or something? Or Kind of. I'm actually in Houston for the um, National Black Studies Conference. I'm up here talking about my favorite topic, black people. Okay, okay. My favorite topic is money, but that's okay. You know, everything's that works different. <laughs> and then normally you you mentioned you're where uh, around the Atlanta area? Or are you in Atlanta proper? Oh no, you're, yeah. Tell us, tell us where you are up there. Yeah, um, I am sort of close to the Atlanta area. I live in Stone Mountain, Georgia. It's maybe about mm-hmm. twenty thirty minutes from from downtown mm-hmm. Atlanta. Okay. Now, where'd you grow up? Well, in case, you know, in case you can't tell from my country twang, I'm a, a Mississippi boy. Okay. Yes, I grew Nothing up wrong in with Greenville, Mississippi. Right. I grew up in Greenville, Mississippi. Um, I was been there since I was about eight years old. I was actually mm-hmm. born in Memphis. Um, okay. But I was only there for a little while. I spent most of my years in Mississippi. I went to my un- went to college there and... My folks are still there, you know. Shout out to my folks if they're listening. And and about how old were you when when you moved away? Um, well, I moved to Louisiana when I was uh, when I finished my undergrad, and I was about uh, twenty one, probably. Um, I moved to Louisiana. I started teaching there. I got another degree, and mm-hmm. um, stayed there for about two years. Um, left in about 2014, and I went to Georgia, and I've been there ever since. Wow, and and you know you're you're an author or you're a writer, you know whichever the people mm-hmm. you know people say, well, I'm an author because I'm published, or I'm a you're just a writer, you know whatever. <laughs> I you know I don't well you know I I don't make those big distinctions because um, 
you know, my whatchamacallit is full size and it works just fine and I don't have to get into that kind of waving contest with other people. But, I mean, right. as a writer, did you, I mean, was it something that you kind of grew up with or or was it, you know, like in my case, I was like way old when I first wrote my, you know, my my first fictional piece. Um, was was this something that you you had uh, going on when you were growing up, or or did you come to it later? Well, um, okay, I have, so I have I have to tell the story. Yeah, so, no, please do. That's what you're here for, man. Okay, so I started really writing when I was like nine years old. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Up until then, like I was, I used to read all the time. Um, I used to sit in the kitchen with my mom writing down recipes. That's a whole bunch of, you know, stuff, just a whole bunch of stuff. Um, but when I was nine, that's when I was really started writing like stories. I okay. wrote like some little little paperback books. You know, I folded some notebook paper in half, put some some uh, construction paper on either side, stapled them on the back, drew my little characters, wrote my little stories, and I took them to school with me. Um, and I used to sell them. I sold them wow. to my classmates for about fifty cents. Okay. So now, wait, I started. Was this mm-hmm. was this more like a book, or or was there any? I'm sorry, was there any like pictures in it, like comic book style? Or, or were you just writing straight up books? Well, this one, I guess you could more so like say this one was a, well, it was a, it, it would be a graphic novel. How about that? Okay, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, I was just curious because, you know, you have both elements there. You have the creative part of having to write and, and, and then the creative element of having to draw. So right, it's right, kind of right. like a double threat. Okay, go ahead. Right. I'm sorry. Oh no, you good. Um, so so I did that, and what really made me know that okay, Marcus, like you, like this is something serious, was the end of that school year. Like I had one of my friends uh, walk up to me, and he was like, "Hey, I need another book before because I need something to read over the summer." And he called me, actually called my house over the summer. Is like, where, like where the other? I want something to read. Where's the where's, other book? Where's my book? Right. <laughs> So I knew it was like it was. This was this was meant to be then. Uh huh. Well, 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 let me ask you this: What kind of story was it? Was it contemporary? Was it fantasy? Uh, do you remember what it was? What the you yes. know what the stories um, you were telling were like? Yes, it was a it was a fantasy story because uh-huh. I I would tell people I was and still am a huge geek nerd, whatever you want to call it. So I used to try to make – I made kind of like my own team of superheroes, and I talked about all, the, like, the adventures and stuff that they went on. That was where my okay. pictures came in so you could see what they looked like and everything. And, and about how many – how long were these? How many pages were these? Whew. Okay, now that, that one may be taxed in my memory. Um, if I well, had I mean, to guess, know, they will – What do you think? Yeah. You're Right, somewhere between like ten and fifteen, maybe. That's pretty cool, man. And you were you were you were a teenager when you were doing this? Cool. Or pre-teen? No, I was nine. Yeah, I was nine, nine years, years old. Oh, see, you had the bug early, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, and and so so you started off with fantasy, um, mm-hmm. and and at that time when you were coming up, what were kind of the things? What influenced you? Was it TV, comics, movies? Uh, 
what what do you think fueled your imagination? Man, it'll probably be easier for me to tell you what didn't fuel my imagination. Well, yeah, like, go ahead. I I did it all. Like I played a lot of video games. Like uh-huh. I read comics here and there. It was TV because when right. I was younger, I I was deep into like anime and um, superhero shows. It was books that I read because when I was little, I used to read stuff like Animorphs, that book series. Um, so like, it was pretty much some of everything. Like it was even to the point where, um, I would pretend like in real life to be some of those characters. Like me and my friends, we go on like, like imaginary adventures and stuff of the characters. So even some real life stuff, like really just kind of went into that. Wow. You know, and, and that's, that's, that's pretty cool that, that you, I mean, you manifested that pretty early. Um, yeah. Did you did you get good support from the people around you, family, school? Oh yeah, yeah. I I got um. Well, you heard what you say. You know, they they bought my books at school. Um, right. My folk. My, but I mean, my like, parents. I mean, like, yeah. I meant like parents and teachers and stuff. Um. Okay, my parents most definitely, um, because you know my my parents were the ones, of course, who were buying me all these books. Um, to, you know, let um, let me use up their money to go buy paper and crayons and stuff to color this. Um, right. so my parents definitely definitely supported. Um, teachers, hmm. Okay, I have another story. Okay. So when I was a little bit older. I think this was when I was in like, I think I was like 10 or 11. Um, okay. I was still writing, still selling the books, well, what have you. And I had sold a book to one of my classmates, and they were in class. It was a science class. They were in class mm-hmm. reading the book. And the teacher, like, saw it and just, like, kind of flipped out. was like, you need to be paying attention. Like, what is this, what is this stuff you're doing? What is this stuff you read? And she snatched the book from him. And she's like, what is this? What is this? What is this stuff? Why are you not listening to me? Uh, so she kind of, so she just kind of, she kind of held on to my book. Um, get, get, they got my friend in trouble. Really kind of made me mad. But, um, but yeah, it was a, it, from there, I learned that, you know, like you have to be kind of have to be careful about, I'm going to say about what are you doing in in some of these teachers' classes because not, not all of them are going to support you like that. But sure. outside of that, outside of that one thing, like I had, I did have some, I had some teachers support me too. Like even now I have teachers support mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And, and you mentioned that you got a degree in education? Uh, English. English. Okay. And um, what, you know, I'm tempted to ask right away, do you do you help mentor other people who have the same kind of desires like you did, and the same kind of talents? Or you know what uh, people you know do you do you see other people who are like you, you know, yeah. as a younger child, and yeah. and do you try to bring them? Yeah, you do. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, I feel like I'm not doing. I feel like I'm just telling stories all all night. Well, it's, um, I mean, it's okay because see, here's the deal. These uh, stories are things that happen to you, and right. the things that happen to you largely, you know, they're responsible for who you become. You know, we're all 
the the results or the you know the results of our our experiences you know so there's nothing wrong with telling these stories man so don't feel bad about it at all okay okay so um this is actually something that happened last week actually um but i i think i think it shows the best example of like me trying to help other like other people coming up I sure. had the, I had the chance to go back to my high school um, last week. Okay. I went to Ob- I went to O'Bannon High School in Greenville, Mississippi, um, mm-hmm. and I the way my high school is set up um, is actually sort of like a middle school and a high school together. So right. um, it's seventh through twelfth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went into the seventh grade class, and I was you know um, I was speaking to the class. You know, we were doing activities, and I had them talk about heroes. You know, who is a hero to you? Like, what do you see as a hero? And I told them, I said, you know, come up with as many heroes, whether they're real-world heroes or superheroes, as you can. And I said, I'm going to give something special to the three people that come up with the most. So the first class I went to, um, the first class I spoke in, um, I had three people, one kid who's the sat in, who's one little boy who's sat in the back and just furious, just writing, writing, writing. I walked around <laughs> and I thought he had like 30 names of nothing but superheroes. I was okay. like, wow. So, of course, you know, he was one of the three. So I got them. To, so um, at the end, after we talked about these heroes a little bit, you know, what they meant to us. Um, right. Said, okay. Y- y'all three, you know, come up to the front. So I gave all three of them a shirt, like a T-shirt featuring my characters about my series. Well, and man, if you had a scene that boy, that like the little kid's face light up, like it was amazing. And he was so excited. And he even he even said he was like he he looked at the shirt. He said, "How did you do this? You know, like what did you like what did you do with this?" And I just explained right. to him the story I told you know about. Doing starting when I was younger, and he said, mm-hmm. um, seventh grade kid, so probably like twelve or thirteen. He said, you know, I used to do that. I used to draw some comic books, but I stopped. I told him, I said, no, don't stop. Pick it up. Like you never know where it can go. Like you never know what you can do with it. You could be standing up here like I am one day. True. So he looked at me. He smiled. He said, all right, I got you. Yeah. So, see, and and that yeah. uh, we don't. You know, we sometimes, especially when we get to be adults. We tend to forget um, just what kind of lasting impressions that something like that can can um, can produce. I mean, he's probably never, you know, if I get to interview him because he's got his own comic book, you know, ten years down the road. If I happen to be doing this show ten years down the road, I'm not <laughs> sure as I sit here whether I'll be disappointed or happy <laughs> at, at still being doing this. But, but I mean, think about that. You know, when he tells his story, you're in his story. Wow. You know, he said, well, this guy came to our class, blah, 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 and we had a contest, and I won the contest, and he gave me a T-shirt, and he explained to me how he created his whole universe of characters. Wow. So, you know, now, now what you've done is you've gone and influenced the next generation. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and speaking of which, since uh, since you were you know bringing up what he what what you you know you told him, um, tell us a little bit about your your commercial writing today, 
Um, what what are you what have you put together? What are you selling? What are you what are you writing? I mean, what what is it that's moving you creatively this at this point in your life? Okay. Um, this is um, well, in many ways, what I started writing when I was like nine really uh-huh. kind of transformed into what I'm doing now. Okay, um, so you you actually had a vision back then. And and that's carried over into what you're doing now. Yes, like if you know it's, okay. it's changed. It's, it's like you know it's gotten more high level. You know it's changed a lot since then. But like the main idea of creating this team of superheroes, especially especially of uh, black superheroes, is really has really become you know what I do now. Okay. Um, so right now I'm just re- I'm really motivated. You know. Um, I actually started back working on my first book back in 2013. All right. Um, because I had been writing off and on for forever, like for pretty much since I was nine. But sure. with, when I decided to start back with this book, with the elemental series I'm working on now, mm-hmm. I, um, I, had gotten, I had gotten to the point where I needed to find, you know, I needed to find what I wanted to do. You know, I was in school, I was getting the degrees, you know, I was doing, you know, what I was supposed to do, but a lot of it wasn't really what I what I really wanted to do. Like don't get me wrong, you know, mm-hmm. I like teaching and, you know, I'm I'm really passionate about that. But I couldn't help but think about the little nine year old kid who was, you know, using up mama and money to sell books and to write his stuff. I wanted mm-hmm. to get back to that. Mhm. And the only way I knew to get back to that was to go back to what I was doing, to go back to what I love, talking about superheroes, people who are strong enough to save the world, people who put themselves um, to the side really to help other folks. Okay. So I went back and I started creating the Elemental Series. And now, you know, I'm working on I'm still working on it, still pushing things out. I've gotten to the point, like, bigger than what I could have ever thought of where I have – T-shirts and posters. I'm working on an activity book, coloring sheets, like so much stuff. And I feel like not only am I able to really realize my nine-year-old self dreams, I'm also right. able to to pass that on, like to give those, some of those same dreams, some of those same goals, some of that same happiness to other people, to other nine-year-olds. Mm-hmm. So it's just, Man, yeah. That, no, I mean that's pretty cool because. One of the things that a lot of creatives forget is that in many cases, part of what you're doing in flying your art is creating your own customers, creating your own supporters, you know, and and in mentoring, you're doing that kind of automatically because if people are interested in you and you've inspired them, they're going to keep track of what you're doing. Um, So... Uh, tell me, tell me a little bit more about about your series. What's what's kind of like the basis for your creative universe? Okay, um, so here's sort of just like the basic. I wrote this series I call the Elemental series. Sure. And the re- the reason why it's called that is because it's about these group of heroes called the Elementals. Um, each of them has a different ability, a different power to control a different element, whether it be fire, Mm -hmm. water, electricity, all those sorts of things. And they've been given this power um, from birth, pretty much. 
Um, they were born with these abilities, and they use and they're destined to use them to save their world. They live on a planet different from ours, so it's an entire created world. Um, and they live there, and they are they are living their lives not only growing up, not only you know being kids, because a lot of them are teenagers, not only just being kids and growing up from that, but they're living their lives trying, also thinking about the fact that they have to protect their world. So kind of the underlying thing here is showing that all of these all of these groups of kids from whatever backgrounds they have, from wherever they came from, whatever they look like, whatever. So it's really showing them coming together, really put um really coming together and working together yeah. to do to achieve, you know, achieve some good. Sure. I mean that sounds empowering for kids, you know, because yes. what you're doing is you've created characters that are strong, they're doing things, they have uh they have probably uh, a moral and ethical, you know, collective that they follow, and and right. and that, you know, I can I can see a great affinity for you know preteens, teens, and even young adults to kind of take off on a series like that. Um, right. how, how what kind of uh, what kind of reception have you had generally with with what you've put out there already? Well, I don't, you know, I don't, I, I don't really mean to toot my own horn or whatever, but um, no, I'm asking, you, I'm asking you to just be honest. What have you, what yeah. have people said to you? I, I haven't gotten any negative critique yet. Um, okay. I've gotten a lot of, a lot of positivity. Now watch. Now as I've said that, some, somebody's going to tell me, "Oh, your series is garbage." <laughs> yeah, you know, not everybody's going to like everything either. Right. Well, let me ask right. you this: Do you ha- do you have a thick enough skin to not let something like that bother you? Oh yeah. Um, okay. I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't, I have got you know some constructive criticism. You know, oh maybe you should think about doing this. And sure. working with my sure. working with my editors, I have to have some tough skin because sometimes they tell me, no, this is just not right. Mhm. Mhm. Um, I mean, that, but, yeah, but constructive criticism is always welcome because you know what right. you. You know, other people see your work a lot differently than you do. Right. You know, I found that right. out about my writing, too. You know, people people saw things in it or concentrated on things that I didn't necessarily see the way they did, you know. And so, I mean, that's that's a good thing. And the fact that you haven't gotten any negative criticism, that's not bad, yeah. man, because, you know, people people will talk smack about you at the drop of a hat. Right, they will. They will. And and haters and haters will hate. You know, especially if you're popular. <laughs> especially if you're good. You know, um, you're you're going to get people who are going to, you know, well, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I definitely do, and I and I'm always aware of that. But yeah, I, I mean, I but but you you know. I, I really have gotten some really some really positive feedback. Like I've really really seen some people really connect with the characters. I like you like we said earlier, I've been I live in Atlanta, so well I live close to Atlanta. So right. I go to a lot of those conventions and stuff down there. And sure. I've really gotten some positive feedback. People really enjoy it. Um probably probably the most common thing I've gotten is, you know, I want to see this as like a straight up comic book or I want to see this, you know, like on TV. Like I want to see it play out in front of my face. Um, right. Which, you know, 
we'll we'll have to see how the funds go to make that work. But like I, pe- people for the most part have really have really liked what I put out, and I can I just hope that you know as I keep working that I keep having that support. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you this: uh, you you know you've done. You know, I read about your. Oh, I, I just uh, saw the. Uh, <laughs> I saw the name of your, your your novel series at the age of nine called Girl Chase. <laughs> you you want to yes. explain that title to me? Oh, hmm. Well, you know, <laughs> I was like most little kids, little little boys and little girls, kind of you know away kind of wanted to be away from um how am I say from the other like so right. my series was 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 at first it was just all about these guys these these little boys like saving their world and you know okay. it just it just so happened that I guess in my mind I was say they were saving the world from cooties cuz they were <laughs> cuz they were against some of the girls Okay, and so, <laughs> does, does that let me does that does, does that theme carry into uh, what you write today? No, <laughs> no, no. Oh, good, good. Okay, yeah, you don't want to you don't want to alienate fifty percent of your readership out there, right? No, no, no. I have learned so much more since then, um, and I um, I've learned so much more from, since then, and I definitely and I really try to incorporate. Um, everybody into what I do. Yeah. All right. So, are these straight novels, or are you into the graphic novels like you were before? You know, kind of melding the graphics and the writing. Um, what what format are you in? And it does sound like this is like young adult kind of writing. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. And and so, and what kind? Go ahead. No, I was I was gonna say so. So for the most part, they are sort of straight novels. I do have a sure. lot of artwork that accompanies them. Like I said, I have the posters, the character illustrations, and there are sure. um, illustrations for each chapter of the book. So like kind of like what you would see in most um, in most young adult type novels, those illustrations throughout. Um, but okay. they are mainly novels. I would, I really would like maybe one day to have. To have maybe a comic book or a graphic novel interpretation, but sure. you know who who knows where I go from here. Well, I mean, you're kind of early in your career too. I mean, you know, there's so much, there's so many different ways you can go, wow. you know, in terms of 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 how you develop your your creative universe, your characters, you you know, your whole thing. Um, so, I mean, I I would say that. Obviously, the sky is the limit, but you want to be careful about it, you know. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, you're right. You're right. Uh, and and so, do you have? Well, let me ask you this: About how many hours a week do you spend on your on your creative side? Oh, not nearly enough. Um. So, um, right now. I mm-hmm. teach, and I'm getting another degree. Um, okay. So, so that takes up a lot of my time. So I don't get to do oh, nearly as yeah ne- nearly as much as I want to. But right uh-huh. now, I would say, on average, probably like four or five hours a week. Wow, that's that's kind of tough, you know, to to um. Yeah. 
kind of spread things out. Uh, and, oh, and yeah. what are you getting a, a new degree in? Um, I'm in school getting my PhD. Um, I'm getting it in English again. And okay. um, this time I'm doing African-American studies too. All right. Um, and, and let's talk a little bit about that bent in your writing. I would assume that your characters are predominantly black or maybe even all black? Predominantly. Okay. And and are do you write or did you create your creative universe for, you know, in, like some people say, I wanted to do works, I wanted to create a comic, I wanted to write a story, whatever, whatever, um, that had people who looked like me in it. Um, is it, you know what what is your philosophy about how you populate your world? I'm another one of those people who wanted to create some characters that look like me. Um, okay. Yeah. When, yeah. Um, one thing. One thing I always remember, um, and um, I was watching. I don't remember what show it was. I was watching, but um, it was some superhero show I was watching at home. And mm-hmm. my dad walked. My dad walked into the room, and he he looked at the TV screen, looked back at me, and he and he asked me. So, uh, he asked me, he's like, "Why does every Why does everything that you watch have nothing but white people in it?" And you know, little me, I think I may have been like twelve or thirteen at the time. You know, little me was just mm-hmm. like, "You don't know what you're talking about. You don't get it. You know, their whole <laughs> parents just don't understand." Right. Um. But like that stuck with me though. So when I got older and I started really paying attention, I was like, "Well, why does everything that I like uh, not have anybody that looks like me?" Um, and once I started really, once I really, really started, once I got to college, where I started to really realize what that, um, what that could do, mm-hmm. um, I saw it even more once I started teaching. Um, what that like that I wasn't the only one who felt like that too. So once, like I said, I started teaching when I was in Louisiana. So when I restarted my series in 2013, it w- that was at the forefront of my mind. Like I mm-hmm. want to make this series to where it shows, like you said, empowering earlier. I want to make this series that can be empowering and fun for little um, geeky black kids like me. Mhm. And 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 so let me ask you going when you go to these conventions around there and and of course you're showing your own works and things like that um mm-hmm. what kind of response do you have parents uh coming by going oh this is this is interesting I'd like to see my kids read this um tell me a little bit about your you know your convention experiences because I'm I'm fairly new to that world and I don't I haven't been to a Black Age convention myself but I have gone mm-hmm. to Worldcon and Boston in Boston and um you know the uh the, what they what I guess people would call more mainstream kind of convention sci-fi conventions right. what right, right, what right. do you see when you go um well I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of new to the conference thing myself too um, okay, but I've, I've been I've been to quite a to quite a few, especially the ones in Atlanta, and mm-hmm. most of the time I've had I've had pretty um, pretty positive things. Most parents, I can I can tell you pretty much the exact how it usually goes. Um, I'm standing at the table, or maybe sitting down if I'm a little tired. So I'm gonna walk up, and they say, "Oh, this looks nice. Tell me about it." And I will explain to them sort of how I explained to you. 
This is about uh-huh. this group of heroes from different backgrounds coming together to save their world. It's about showing that, you know, that no matter where you come from or what you look like, you can be a hero. You can be super. And I show, you know, I show off the artwork and everything, and the parents are, by this point in time, the kids are usually looking at the posters, looking at the pictures, um, and the the parents, I hand them off a book, and they say, this is this is what it needs to be. Like, this is what my kid needs, because they love, you know, Spider-Man, Superman, Batman. It's like, but we need something that's about us. Mm-hmm. So usually maybe like seven times out of ten, the kid will, will have found a character they like, and they'll look back at their parent and be like, I like that. And that'll be what that'll be what um what all the parent needs to hear. They like it, I'm getting it because because it shows them. Like it's some positive they can look uh someone positive they that looks like them. Okay. That's pretty cool. I mean I mean, don't you see it that way? I mean it's nice that and and I guess that goes back to two things. One is um you know, growing your own customer base, you know, your own fan base. Because once they get hooked on you, that's pretty cool. And and second of all, you know, um, if you if you're writing and making your works accessible, uh, you know, that's going to pay off in the long run. You know, you're going to have wow. a much bigger audience. Um, yeah. You know. All right. So yeah. when you when you talk to people like that, do you get, um, you know. Critiques, uh, criticism. Do people come back and say, "Hey, my kids love this. Uh, tell me more. Do you have more coming? You know, how how has that worked out?" So um, the first book came out in 2015. So uh-huh. I'm just I'm just and towards the end it was in October 2015. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm just now getting to the point where you know people have read the book and I'm seeing them for the, like again at the conferences and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So I've gotten I've gotten some pretty good, I've gotten some pretty good feedback. I've gotten like, right. oh my kids loved it. Where's your second one? You know this this that. Like, do you have anything else? Um, I I have gotten a couple of a couple of um, critiques. Mainly, it's it's been just sort of oh you know I really I really enjoyed it, but um, I wish you know I wish it was. Um, I wish it was more visual. I wish I could. I wish there was something they could really look at. Or I got younger kids who can't read it yet, but I want them right. to have it. Right. And you know, right. I don't. And I, I don't. I don't shy away from criticism. You know, I take it. Um, one of my one of my first critiques was from the first um, when I first put out the book was that the print was too small. Um, so what I decided to do was I went back, I changed some stuff around, I, and I printed a second edition. With larger print and illustrations, um, and even now, like I kind of, I want to listen to what people are saying, um, and really try to see what I can use, you know, to make myself better. So even with right. them saying like, "Oh, I want more visual," that's what's kind of leading me to want to do this activity book. You know, I want to for the younger kids who like the image of the black heroes, but might can't right. dig into the book the whole way. So I want to give them stuff, you know, like coloring and, you know, like um, crosswords and, you know, just the activity book for the younger kids so they can still be engaged too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so it, it sounds like, I mean, even though you sit there and you say, well, I don't really have a specific, you know, plan for where I'm going in the future, 
at least you have identified, <laughs> excuse me, taken the time to identify where you can garner more interest and, and maybe right. more, you know, I'm not to sound, you know, mercenary about it, but, you know, get, finding paying customers so that you can continue to ply your art. You know, right. a lot of people think, oh, yeah, so-and-so is just greedy. Well, no, it takes money to do this. And and let's say you do gravitate toward comics or you know a, a much much more graphic novel. It's going to be it's going to cost a certain percentage more to produce. Wow. You know. Now, have no, you ever right. thought of help handing handing your artwork off to somebody else, or is it too early for that? It, well, I want to say it's too early for that, but I do have. Um, I don't do my own artwork. Oh, okay. I sorry, yeah, I, did, I, I should have asked. Yeah. Oh no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You know, I I am talented, but not quite that talented. <laughs> Dude, um, you're talking to somebody who draws hands with only three fingers on each of them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you get it. Um, but yeah, um, I have a, a a really amazing artist. Um, his name is Jermaine Dickerson. Um, uh-huh. he does, a, he does a lot, he does a lot, all pretty much of the illustrations and artwork for my series. And, um, he and I, you know, we, we're in regular conversation. We try to put together things. So even when I'm talking about doing like this activity book, like he's the one I'm talking to, he's the one I'm working with. Um, so even, even if I did, if, if I were to go over into that comic book direction, it would definitely have to be with him. Okay. And and do you, I mean, you see that commonality there and you think that that would be good synergy, right? Yes. Oh, yes, I do. And and do you see I that, uh, you know, long-term? Long have, you, have you planned out like a story arc for your creative universe that spans, I mean, do you know how many issues you may go out? How many, how long this is going to last? Oh, most definitely. I, um, um, I have the plan for up to five books right now. Okay. Um, so I definitely, I have an idea for, you know, how how this stuff could go, um, how long it could go. Um, and I do, I do have plans, you know, to continue to expand the world, not just in the actual story-wise, but also bringing more materials, more merchandise and things to it. Um I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just gonna be honest with you. Like the on, the only thing that's really that's really stopping me from just going foot first into it is is just the funds. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you you know, you've got a you've got a lot on your plate though. You know, when you think about yeah. going for your PhD, um, and uh, I, do do you have a regular job? You know, right now yes, as well. I teach. Yeah, that's that's a lot. Think about that. Yeah. You know, you're doing your PhD, you're teaching, and to try to keep up, you know, a <clears throat> uh, a graphic novel or a novel empire, that's a lot of stuff <laughs> on your plate. Yes, yes, it, it, it is, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, how much longer yeah. before you get your degree? Um, this is my second year, so probably two more. Um, okay. But yeah. So you know, yeah. hopefully, ho- hopefully by then I'll be, once I finish, I'll have a little bit more free time to really you know dedicate myself because this this is my dream. Like 
I, I know I mentioned earlier, this is what little nine-year-old me would have wanted to be doing. Maybe not. Maybe not in this exact order, but, you know, this is what nine-year-old me would have wanted to do, wanted to be traveling the country, you know, talking to people, doing this stuff for my writing. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, there there's a lot to be said for positive visualization and following your yeah. dream. You know, a lot of people, and I think too many people, don't follow their dreams. You know, they get shortstop yeah. for whatever reason. And then a lot of yeah. kids who want to talk about being an artist or an author or, or oh a filmmaker God. or whatever, their parents yes. go, no, 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 do something, yes. get a real job, you know? And, and yes. sometimes that's enough to stifle yes. what could have been a hell of a creative uh, career. So right. um, you, you've escaped at least that part, you know, right. even though even though the realities of having a square job and getting another um, <laughs> a degree are, are on your plate, at least mm-hmm. you, you're you managing to keep up the creative part as best you can with as much time yes. as you can devote to it. Yes. Um, let me ask you this. You know, you've, you've got an artist, right? Yes. And, and do you ever see a head where you may put together, you know, a team, you know, three, four, five, six people and and really have a go at this in terms of turning out some really high quality, um, but but very very popular product, you know? Or or do you think the two of you are going to be able to sustain it for quite some time now? What what are your plans in terms of growth for the future? Uh, okay. Um... And I don't ask well, to put you on the spot. I just wonder if it's oh, something no, 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 that's sticking no. over in the back of your mind, you know? Um, I approach it um again, you know, I'm a Mississippi country boy, so we do we I I and I, I think and I bring that up because um I the way I approach this is uh-huh. I have people around me. I surround myself with people that I know and that I trust. Um right. My, from my editors, you know, they're t- they're um, two of my good friends who teach English. Um, from Jermaine, um, you know, even even some of the people who help, even some of the people who help me to promote my series. I have a um, I have a person in that goes to school with me that helps me to promote my work. Um, we I do this, you know, with the people who I know, whose opinions I trust, and people that you know I have a relationship with. Um, I think that if I were to able to expand that, I wouldn't have a problem, you know, bringing other people in, like bringing in more artists, more editors, whatever, what have you. But, um, mm-hmm. and it, and it, this, this may just be because of my time constraints or what have you, but right now I really, I really focus on just really building my team with people, people, people who I trust. Like um, and I, I right now I I I can't see that expanding too much, um, right? Because because right now all everyone who I'm surrounded with, they have a they know my vision and they they share it. And I I, I guess I guess in that in that way I'm kind of I'm kind of selfish. I kind of you know I I kind of want to protect that because I know what I well, want to do and yeah. I, I don't want to bring yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't really want to bring, uh, bring too many people in here who, who, who may not share that. You see what I'm saying? Well, yeah, but you can always shoot them. 
and then bury them in a hole someplace. <laughs> you know, they start always up your gig. If they start messing up your gig and messing with your money, you know, <laughs> things have then to they be gotta done. go. I watch the go. Sopranos. I know how to do this stuff. You no, know? I'm with you. I'm with you. I've seen. I've seen The Godfather. I'm seeing how it goes. Yeah, but I mean, it it, it is true. You do. You know, if you share your intellectual property, you definitely want to have a team that's on the same page creatively as you. But but it also helps. You know, sometimes to have um, like different perspectives. You know. Yeah. Uh, now, now I, you know, I, having said that, I will tell you that I am, I am a very singular writer myself. You know, all of my books, excuse me, I wrote on my own without really much input from people. You know, I have beta readers, of course, who come behind me and go, "Oh, I like this part. I like this part. How come you did that? Why didn't you do this? That sort of thing." And then I have, you know, each one of those beta readers is targeted. You know, like I'll have an older professional and a younger this and a woman and, you know, every single beta reader is going to be different because I don't want to hear the same perspective all the time. Right, right, right. Um, Right. Go ahead. No, I was was going to say, yeah, I I definitely get that because even even the the people who I've I've sought out um, for my editors, like I sought them out for a reason. Like um, one of them, um, his name is Kenny, and it's one of my best friends. Um, who you know who understands um, who understands a lot of the fantasy type work that I do, and another sure. one um, a friend that I met in uh, Louisiana. Um, her name is Stephanie. I sought her out because she uh, because she's not as engrossed in the world, so she's my outside perspective to give to give me that feedback on oh you know um, how does this work or does you know is this really going to play out like this? I guess so, yeah um, yeah. Uh, and and you know like i said you know it's singular for me because and and i think you and i are similar in that respect i don't think anybody can handle my dream as well as i can or my vision yes. as well as i can um yes. but you know what i decided to do you know i wrote i write novels and uh, i mm-hmm. wrote a trilogy i don't know if you know anything mm-hmm. about me and and the trilogy tells what happens in the world when they find out that African Americans have been secretly living on the backside of the moon since before right. Neil Armstrong got there. So, you know, so I've got that. That's a good premise. But I think, you know, there's going to be seven books in the series. And then what I want to do is I want to open up the series to have other people do short stories you know, in my in my universe. So by that That's way, cool. I get to share it with other people and then also see other people's visions, you know, because, yeah. <laughs> excuse me, I've been, I've been invited to guest write in three other creative universes. You know, people have their own series and then they have other people come in. Right. And, you know, they, I, you know, first of all, I felt honored that they wanted to have me contribute but then I saw the wisdom in it because what it does is not only does it further promote their work, but you never know what kind of take you're going to get from somebody else. Somebody else may have a whole different perspective on, you know, on, on my creative universe. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, I'm like you, I still want to maintain control because it is my baby. You know, I admit it, it is my baby. So, and, and I don't see any problem with that at all. Um, now, 
we know that you're in school. You get a PhD. That ain't easy, although it's easier now than it used to be. With the Internet, I'm telling you, man, if I had to get a PhD in something else, it would be a lot easier than, you know, doing it way back in the 70s. You know, that was harder because, you know, I had to actually go to a library, you know, and look up stuff (laughs) in the card catalog (laughs) and everything. Now I could just keep my fat, happy ass at home and, uh, (laughs) you know, use the Google. So, um, but uh, are you finding, you know, the balance, you know, striking the balance between your education you know, teaching and your writing, have you managed to kind of, you know, balance all three of them out so that, that you, you've got some reasonable amount of effort going on and yet you still have enough time to be you, you know, and, and to have some, some, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you hitting it with the hard questions, man. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to think about that. I mean, it ain't easy doing all of those things and and I uh, you know one of the things that uh that that I think people forget is you do have to have your me time. You know this is I think this is one of the biggest things that people neglect in their lives. You know they they don't realize that that sometimes you just have to decompress. You know and you're in a high pressure situation right now, job, school, you know, creative universe. So, uh, you know, how how are you managing the balance? <sighs> to be honest with you, uh-huh. I I don't even know. Um, it's it's difficult to say the least. Um, and there are there are times when I just I have to just really just walk away. Um, just really just walk away for a moment and just like I need some me I need that me time. Um right. I I must say I had one of those one of those days of a few weeks ago. Um because it is hard. It is difficult. Um especially, oh, yeah. you know I must say when you're caught up in so many things, doing doing so many um so many things, especially trying to make your dream work while trying to keep food on the table and a roof over your head. Um it's hard. It's really yeah. hard, and I, I don't. I really don't know how I manage it, but it, 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 some sort of way, you know. I just, I have to just take some time for myself. I have to just walk. Sometimes walk away from some of these things, take a day or two, but right. I really have to just make it work. Really yeah, make- you know, necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. Um, uh, now let's talk a little bit about where do you get your story elements from? Do you draw at all from current culture? Do you draw at all from, you know, the kinds of things that are going on in our world today? Or or is it really divorced from that and and it's more, more, you know, kind of like a fantasy basis? So, um, I thought... I was divorced, you know, from from most things. I mean, um, I realize that you know, no matter what you do, some of some of the real world, some of your experience in what you create, you know, I've been writing long enough to know that. But sure. I thought I was, I thought I was divorced from most like mainstream things. 
until the first time that I taught um, a little bit of my novel. Um, I taught it in one of my classes when I was teaching at a community college in Georgia. Okay. Sure. Um, I I did some excerpts because by that point in time the novel wasn't even published yet. Um, and there's a part in the first chapter of my first book where one of the characters he's a um, he's a um, a kid named kid tall um, brown skinned teenage boy named D. Okay. D is coming back from his he's coming back from eating lunch. He's walking back to um his home. And well, background, in my first novel, the evil or the the villain, the bad guys that they are fighting, that the elementals are fighting are this group of androids that have taken over. So, um D is stopped by some of these androids. And they're basically telling him, you know, what are you doing here? You don't need to be here. This is a restricted area. Get out. Don't come back. And D is sort of, uh, he's a teenager, so he's sort of flippant. He's like, you okay. know, uh, what's, like, what's, what's, I'm going to say, what's, what's the problem? Like, I can't go eat food now. Like, you, you won't even, I'm just trying to get back, um, get back to where I come from. And they attack him because he popped off. He popped off at the mouth, so they attack him. And thankfully, because D is an elemental, he's able to use his powers, you know, to keep himself from being harmed. But um, when I taught that to the class, there was one girl in there. She raised her hand. She said, oh, my God, you talking about it made me realize what this reminded me of. This is just like when these black men get stopped by the police for no reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. That was not, it was not in my conscious mind. Like, I wasn't trying to make yeah, it play it out like that. Yeah, it wasn't a conscious parallel or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. But it happened, and and somebody picked up on it. And when she said it, like, I was taken aback. I had to sit down. I was like, wow, I didn't even realize that was there. So I, I say that to say, you know, I don't, I don't, well, at first, I didn't consciously, you know, <laughs> try to put stuff in there. But when I right. thought, you know, it's it, it seeped through anyway, I just allowed myself. I said, okay, you know, if it comes, it does. If someone can connect with it, let's go. I'm rock with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, my writing is deliberately based in um, social justice. And I just read mm-hmm. a, some, some definition today of Afrofuturism. And ah. the, the definition said, that that is an element of Afrofuturism, you know, uh, uh, science fiction, fantasy, and horror based upon, you know, social justice, either present time or in the future. And so, you know, one of the reasons, and and I I admit that some of my writing is protest writing. Um, Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that most pissed me off was that people like, like me, you know, just a regular kind of middle-class kind of guy, um, you know, I'm biracial, but, you know, that aside, you know, uh, middle-class blacks don't exist in America's lexicon, cultural lexicon. You know, there, there's athletes, there's rappers, there's, uh, there's Oprah, you know, and you've got all of these things, and then there's thugs, and then there's, you know, ex-cons, and, and you know, the, the whole the whole view of of African Americans' existence in America was is so 
effed up. And, and so one of the reasons why I wrote the book the way I wrote it was because I wanted to write about, you know, black folks I grew up with. You know, and I admit that I grew up in a, in a semi-privileged community. I, I grew up around the, uh, the University of Chicago area in Chicago. You know, it's the same yeah. neighborhood Barack Obama lives in. And, wow. and our, high, our high school was actually the most studied high school in America because we had one of the most racially mixed student bodies, and we had no riots, no fights, no nothing. As a matter of mm-hmm. fact, a TV show was done on, I think it was on ABC, and it was done based upon things that happened in our, our school. And the show was called Room 222. Um, and and that that was like uh, about 25 years before your time, man. How sad <laughs> is that that I'm old enough that I can say that? So <laughs> so you, you you know and and those people don't exist. You and I don't exist. You know. Right. I, you know I'm thinking you're fairly middle class, upper middle class, a brother wearing a bow tie. He doesn't <laughs> exist. You know, you're supposed to be a thug. I'm supposed to be, I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to be, being a Japanese But, But so <laughs> I, I write this book about, you know, regular old, to me, regular old black folks who existed in my neighborhood because nobody believed they, they you know, nobody ever talks about them. You know, nobody ever, it, it's never said. You know, I didn't grow up with Oprah, although, you know, right. she lived in the city. I didn't grow, with, grow up with Michael Jordan. And, you know, he, he played basketball here. I didn't grow up with uh, Big Ear Tupac. You know, um, I will say this. Chaka Khan was in, in, my, uh, in my class in high school. Oh, wow. um, Yeah, and my mother went to uh, High, uh, high Park High with Lou Rawls. You know, so there were a lot of Chicago notables, but you just, you know, they just didn't, they didn't have regular people. So there was that kind of that kind of protest writing, that social justice writing that I did. Now, you, you deal with kids, which is a whole nother thing, you know. Uh, what, what kind of backgrounds are, what kind of, yeah, what kind of backgrounds do your kids have? Are they, you know, a power, superpowers aside, saving the mm-hmm. world aside, what, mm-hmm. you know, what kind of neighborhood do they come from? Where, you know, what, uh, what class are they? Uh, what are their parents like? Or, you know, are they all mm-hmm. broken homes like uh, like every stupid ass white person in America thinks? You know, <laughs> well, I mean, come on. You know, you talk about. Well, my my perfect example is Cos- the last Cosby show. Mm-hmm. And and I've said this before. You know, I know some people are probably who listen to this show are probably tired of hearing it, but I don't know if anybody remembers that he, you know, he he was a black doctor who married a black lawyer who had teenage kids who had white problems. And so mm-hmm. people said, oh, this is so unrealistic. This, you know, this would never happen. There's nobody like this in America. And I just have to call bullshit on that. Excuse me, kids, if you're listening to this. Because <laughs> that's what, those are all the people I grew up with. You know, I grew up with black lawyers and black doctors and, you know, um, you know Barack Obama, a constitutional scholar, you know, teacher, Community organizer lived in. Uh, he lived right, actually right down from my high school. So, you know, and and people, you know, you got this whole dumbass segment of white Americans who are just stuck on stupid. You know, it doesn't matter what the facts are. All it matters is what they believe. 
you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the thing that disgusts me now is this, this notion of alternate facts. You know, an, <laughs> alternate fact, an alternate fact is just something that's not true. Yes, the alternate you know? fact is a lie. Yeah, exactly. So, so, yeah, a lot of my stuff is written out of anger, but I don't write any <laughs> I don't anger think in wrong it. With that. Well, no, but I don't put any anger in it because I want to tell a great story and have some of that other stuff sneak up on you, you know, as a right. reader. Right. Um, now, if, let me ask you this. If, if you have non-white kids read your work, do you think they're going to get, other than the fact that the, the kids in your, in your book don't look like these, you know, white kids, um, what do you think? What do you think the dichotomy between their understanding of the story or their appreciation of the story, and maybe uh, and what our kids would get out of it? Do you think there's a big difference there, or do you carefully craft the story so that the story is good enough that it doesn't matter who's reading it? I mean, what's your intent when you write? You know how you sit down and you go, "Okay, I got this audience in mind. I've got this story in mind." I've got this thing I want to tell, this, this story, the, the things that I want to tell in the story in mind. What, what's your process? Okay. Um, hmm. You said intent, and I will. I've been honest all night, so I'm just going to keep being honest. To be honest, I don't write with white kids in mind. Mm-hmm. I don't. Um, my focus is, and probably always will be, um, writing for black audience. Um, now, I do. I mean, that's not to say that I've never had somebody white read my books or not never had somebody buy something or, you know, express interest. Um, and if they do, you know, that is fine. That's wonderful. You know, that's great. I'm not going to be mad about it. Sure. Um, but my focus has always been, uh, has always been, you know, writing for my audience, the audience that looks like me. Um so I'm, I haven't put too, too much thought into, you know, well, what do they get from it? You know, I I do like to think, and I have been told, that the story is good enough to where, you know, anybody could pick it up and we get enjoyment out of it. Um, So there's that element, but, uh, element, um, there's that element to it, but, um, but yeah, I think that I, I write purposefully for, I want to say for black, black people. Um, particularly black okay. kids, because it is why, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and do you think that there's a that that there's enough in it, you know, or or do you think that the perspective is broad enough that you could that it could expand to you know other audiences? Yes. Um, one of the thing one of the things that I do is I try to bring in everybody's perspective. Like I don't want okay. to just, I don't want to just like you asked me earlier. I said predominantly black, because there are there 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 are a few white characters. There are a few Hispanic characters. Um, later on down the line, I may I will include some Asian characters, so on and so forth. Um, um, so there there are a broad number of, of I guess a, a much representation, but mm-hmm. even within even within the like even within the black characters. There's diversity within them. Um, you asked me earlier, like, what are the backgrounds of some of the characters? 
Right. And I wanted and I wanted to show I wanted to show everyone. Like I don't want to just like I don't want to just fall into the trap of just showing nothing but thugs. But I also didn't want it to ju- want it to just be um I'm gonna say just be like the just upper upper middle class. Like I wanted to include everybody. I wanted to sh- to show the, you know that all of these all of these types of black people exist, and all of them you know ha- can do something can do can be heroes can be super. Mm-hmm. So it's something every it, I I think that the scope is broad enough you know to bring in everybody. Yeah. Um, okay, now uh, let's pivot a little bit. Let's go back because obviously, you know, in, in your growing up time, um, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned that you had some, you, you spoke generically about some of the influences that you have. Do you have people who, you know, authors, artists, whatever, who you, you know, who you admire at, at this point, you know, things that you look at that are not you? Where you you know you you like what you're seeing, like what are some of the influences for for your particular you know that you enjoy? Um, I will say that right now I do kind of feel I I I am a little sad to say I don't have much time to read for okay. pleasure anymore. Um, oh no, I get that. Yeah, yeah, but I must say, but in going to a lot of these conventions, like in going to a, to a, to a lot of these, uh, in seeing, meeting a lot of other black artists, you know, like I, t- I try to be inspired to take stuff from everybody. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to say like, uh, I met, I'm, I met Jarvis like some years, uh, like a year or two back and like seeing, seeing the work that, that he, that he does with the side and even something like this. Like I admire that. Like I've met people, I've met people like uh, Milton Davis, like who who does who puts his foot forward to try to um, expand audiences and do work. I admire that. Like even from pretty much everybody I meet at these conferences and things, like I admire what they do. Um, and I try to pull things from that because, is even though you know I do have you know I have my series out, I'm I'm still a young cat, so I try to try to take you know try to learn from my elders. Well, you know, I was just in Boston with uh, Milton at a convention, the Boston Convention, and also we were both invited to uh, Florida A&M several years ago for their Black to the Future um, Literary Festival, and and he, he is really putting it out there. He's spending an extraordinary amount of time and effort to expand I would say the recognition of, you know, the kind of work that we all do. Um, I, I'm trying to do the same thing. I'm I'm a lot newer at it than he is, but I have been doing this show for like nearly five years. And each and every person who I've interviewed is probably somebody I wouldn't have met otherwise. So um, that that's a, that's I'm very very honored for that. Because I would not have I would not have had that opportunity otherwise, and and you're right about the fact that we have to have people out there on the front lines, bringing bringing notice to right. what it is we do as black creatives. Right. Um, I I put it out there to the broader world that my intention is to be the MC at the Hugo Awards one of these years, mm. right. and 
I fully, I fully plan on making that happen. But one of the reasons why I want to do it is because I would like to, you know, do a shame on you to the uh, the mainstream science fiction, fantasy, and horror um, industry on, you know, wh- why the hell they're not any more inclusive and diverse as, you know, than they are. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. And it used to, I mean, it didn't, okay, I, there used to be a time where I didn't see the value in that. Right. Um, well, well, I, I I didn't see the like why you know why bother going to um, going you know why bother you know basically uh, begging begging for white acceptance is what I, what I used to say, um, and I, I you know I must say every, every once in a while it tries to pop back up, but as I get older and as I start really starting to see how things go like I I, I understand so like the purpose behind that and. Um, and even me myself, like I've I've signed up to try to go to a few, you know, mainstream things. Um, I do understand that, that that you know I can't be at everyone, but uh, I I try to try to put myself out there because that work is important. Like because there is an entire audience that we that we don't have access to. Not because not because they don't care about what we're doing, not because they don't like what we're doing, but just they simply right. don't know that we exist. I was at a I was at a um a Clark Atlanta, this is where I'm getting my PhD. At Clark Atlanta they had a a um a Afrofuturism sort of like day, like conference thing, um, last February. Okay. It was an all day event. Um Jarvis was there, um I was there, I helped out to put it helped out with it. And I uh, there was one young lady who stood up at the end and was like and she said exactly this, like I didn't know this existed. I didn't know this happened. Like, where can I find out more? <laughs> well, that's that's what I'm finding. And and you know what? I you know I maybe I gave you the wrong impression, but mm-hmm. you know I I'm I'm not begging anybody. You know? Oh no 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 in in all kinds of situations, we you know we end up having to, you know, to, we end up getting short shrift, and sometimes right, right. we do have to ask. Sometimes we do have to almost beg to get, you know, the attention that that somebody who was white would automatically have, right? Right, 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 so, right, right. So, but but what I'm doing now, I mean, now I've got a reputation as being. Um, knowledgeable in a scholarly way about Afrofuturism and also about science fiction. Um, And it also helps that in a lot of ways I defy stereotype because I got the Japanese last name. So um, I get, I I get some consideration that maybe somebody else might not. And that's one of the reasons why I want to emcee the the Hugos because, you know, if they decide to have me do that, that is going to be, a very clear indication that they are serious about their their outreach to you know, to be more inclusive with with people who are not who are not white, frankly, you know, because the Hugos have been very very white ever since they started, you know, all of their all of their special guests this last August at WorldCon they were all white, 
okay? And and so I get what you're saying, and it has nothing to do with begging. It has to yeah. do with with us getting our due. You know, we're oh. not begging for anything more. We're not asking for special consideration. But, you know, for F's sake, you know, there's no reason why I should not have more notoriety for what I've written than what I have. And it's right. it's slowly but surely coming. Right. But, right. but anybody and, else who wrote what I wrote, you know, somebody white who wrote what I wrote, you know, their, their ass would be, you know, lauded all over the place. Well, what's wrong with this Japanese Negro guy in Chicago? Why can't you? <laughs> why can't you just, you know? <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying. Um, yes. So, so that, so yeah, and and then, you know, a lot of stuff is happening in Atlanta, but yeah. I want to see the things that are happening in Atlanta be acknowledged right. universally because. Right, right, right. I figured out, guess, guess what I figured out? I did some math, and I think there's between 5,000 and 7,000 black creatives just doing comic books, short stories, and novels around the world. Right. That's a big-ass number. It is. It is. How can they ignore that? And you know what? Unfortunately, as far as the Hugos are concerned, as far as a lot of those committees are concerned, there's only four black people who are doing any writing at all in the genre, and that's uh, Octavia Butler. She's dead. Samuel Delaney, all he wants to do is talk about his sexual exploits across Europe. Tanana Reed Du and her husband, Stephen Barnes. And and I'm I'm sick as hell of hearing those same four names. Mm-hmm. You know, when you've got a Milton Davis, when you've got, you know, oh, man, you know, I didn't want to talk about how many people, you know, have uh, are associated with, you know, Dark Universe, Sword and, sword and Sorcery, oh. and, 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 it's, and, and, you know, Steampunk, and Steampunk, mm-hmm. and, and black artists who are making tremendous, you know, uh, who have tremendous accomplishments. Uh, uh, accomplishments in the visual arts. We've got black webisodes, you know, uh, of of series that that are as good as anything out there. They're you know they're better quality than all this Star Trek fan fiction bullshit. So why why doesn't the the larger universe know about these people? And the reason why is because uh, publicists, agents. Publishers, um, they 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 have decided that I'm I'm doing air quotes. Black stuff, um, <laughs> unquote, is is too hard. They don't know how to market it. You know, it's not as good as the white stuff. You know, and I you know, I don't know. Yeah. You know, if if I get I get pissed off and I gotta I gotta watch it because I got a temper. But it but it huh. is maddening. You know, it is maddening because, you know, it says to me, no matter how hard I work, I'm always going to be a black author. Right. You know. Um, so anyway, I'm sorry. I'm off my high horse now. I'm a, I'm a lot better. My blood pressure is coming back down. Where were we? <laughs> uh, but you, I mean, but you, you get it. You get what I'm saying, yeah. don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, when you when you run into those kind of issues, uh, or or do they even bother you? Is anything like that 
upsetting to you at all, or or have you managed to avoid it because of your target audience? Um, you know, what 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 are your thoughts about you know where where African American creatives fit into the larger lexicon? Um. Hmm. For the most, for the I'm not gonna say because of my audience I've I've avoided it, but simply, well I guess you can't say for, for, because of my audience because because of the conventions I've been going to. Like I said, I've only been to I'm a I'm still kind of new to this, but I've only ever been to black conventions. Sure. Um, I must say so. I have I haven't I haven't seen it face to face. That doesn't mean I, I of course I know it exists. Because even even here, I'm I met um, I met I'm at a black conference right now, and there sure. are people here who are talking who are doing talking about Afrofuturism, talking about doing uh, talking about black speculative, um, talking about even just like horror and things of that sort, comic books, black people in comics and things of that things of that sort. And even How come they didn't invite me? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Oh no, you're good, you're good. Um it's, but yeah, like even they don't know don't know this type of stuff exists. Like even they yeah. don't I told someone I was I walked into a panel if after it had ended because I was waiting on the next one. And the right. first panel they they had them been talking about black black people in comics and they was asking a question like, Oh, what sort of um what sort of stuff do they like what um are there any black conventions? They started talking about um um East Coast and thought, you know, things of that sort. Um, and I and they mentioned there's one in Atlanta and I said OnyxCon. And they said, Huh? Right. I said, Yes, it's an I'm gonna say OnyxCon and I told them about it because I'm gonna be a vendor at OnyxCon. Um, right. and so, so I was telling you about that. I said, Oh my god, like I didn't know that existed. Um Well and I Detroit to a, too. Detroit Detroit has like yep. three or four during the year too, don't they? They do. Um I even think they like, do, even, yeah. Because Jarvis yeah. goes up there. Yeah. I mean, even um, even um, I went I went to a young lady's presentation where she was talking about some of the same thing, and I just right. gave, and I just started running just started running off a list of like of some of these because she was mainly talking about the lack of representation of black people, uh-huh. especially black women in comics. So I was just oh, like yeah, running off a list that. of all yeah. these of all these um, creators that I knew, and she was like, "Oh my gosh!" She's like, and I told her that just. Just take, get get my information, like because I could sit here and just name people for you all day. Right. But like, oh, no I, even even in this space, like people just don't know. And I think I think that's what helped me to to get from that place where I where I used to think it wasn't anything but begging for validation, to where I mm-hmm. am now, where I understand mm-hmm. no, it's it's not begging, it's getting you know getting your just due. So I think I think re- being a creator helped me to move from that space, from that space I was in to the one I'm I'm in now, to where I don't where I wouldn't mind going to, going to a Dragon Con or going to you know uh um whatever a Momo whatever a Momo Con whatever what have you. Sure. Because I because I recognize you know the value of that. Well, you know you're you're going to be on your. On panels, to, are you going to be on panels tomorrow? Uh, yes, Ashley, I'm doing a panel tomorrow. I'm doing my panel tomorrow. Um, I actually, I'm going to say, actually, probably once once the conversation ends, I'm going to finish tweaking my presentation. 
Yeah, because here's the thing. You know, one of the things you should tell them is about this radio show. There's five mm-hmm. years of podcasts. Uh, and, right. and so, like, if that woman wants to know, all she has to do is check it out on YouTube. And right. and you should tell people that you were on there, especially. And, and oh, yeah. tell them like it's, like it's no big thing because it's not a big thing. What it is is black creatives getting interviewed about how they became what they are and what their influences were. Uh, I I make it. Go ahead. I was say I make it my mission because I do because because of the field I'm in and because of what I'm doing I go end up going to a lot of um, a lot of academic conferences which you know. I mean, these. Uh, okay, I'm gonna say this first. I end up going to a lot of academic conferences. Um, like I've been to the National Pop Culture Conference. This is gonna be my second year going, my second year in a row going there. Um, uh-huh. I've been, you know, to a, to a couple of different like teacher-related conferences. I make it a mission whenever, whenever I give a presentation, to talk about not just my work, but talk about some of the work that other people are doing. To in, to invite people, you know, to look up more Black creatives doing this doing this type of work. Um, right. And I'm going to say, not, and especially to the teacher-related conferences, I went to one where I was in the children's literature, children's and young adult literature, like, uh, panel. And these are the people who look for, these are the people who look for stuff to assign their students. These are people who look for books and comics to give to their students to read, to talk about. And like once they once they start to see like what's out there that does the work that they want to do that gets the that gets the black and and Hispanic and whatever kids engaged, like I'm there to tell them like, hey, this stuff exists. I mean that's great, you know. <clears throat> I mean, and, and I spend a lot of time getting the word out. I was on a I was on a, a panel in Boston about podcasting. Right. And when you know nobody had ever heard of you know Genesis Science Fiction Radio, although Boston is kind of white. I mean, <laughs> first of all, I knew I knew I knew every participant, every program, every black pro- program participant. Of uh, uh, Milton was there too, and Linda Anderson, Cerise Rennie Murphy, and else. Oh, Christine Taylor Butler. <clears throat> So, you know, I knew all the program people and, and of the people in the crowd, there there you know, if there were a dozen, you know, black folks in the crowd, that was a lot. Maybe there were a few more for the Afrofuturism discussion, but you know, it, it there there's no reason why I mean our work as a on a whole is just as good and just as bad as, you know, mainstream or white writers, uh filmmakers, whatever. So you know it's it, it is a little frustrating and aggravating. Um, when now you're an academic, which is kind of cool because you get to see this from a I would say kind of a, a slightly loftier view from street view. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? You you see it from a more professional perspective. Um, you know when you think in terms of uh, teaching, in terms of of getting the word out about maybe. I mean, I like the fact that you taught your own novel, um, you know, because you you had it, it was accessible. Plus, you knew more about it than than somebody else, you know, somebody else's work or somebody else right. trying to talk about your work. 
So that's yeah. kind of cool. Um, do do you see yourself getting those kinds of opportunities in the future? More of those kind of opportunities in the future, or are you going to take them? Uh, oh, I'm most definitely going to take them. <laughs> um, I may I. I'm kind of pausing because I don't I don't quite know if I should say this just yet because I'm still still in the works, but I'll I'll just say I'm definitely working on some opportunities to teach not just my work but all sorts of of, of um, all sorts of black people who write science fiction fantasy horror. Um, I'm 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 working on getting that on getting that at least at least getting that at my institution. You know, somebody has, uh, there's a curriculum, and oh, man, you know, this this happened in August, but when it happened, I had the worst concussion I've ever had, so I, I forget a lot of details. But uh, in one of Cal- on one of California's campuses, there is a brother teaching a class on Afrofuturism. I mean, yeah. you know, if, if you wanted to put together a whole curriculum on something like that, you already know all of the the players, or at least not all of them. I take that back. Not all of them, but you know a lot of the headliners to be able to put together a curriculum that has, you know, some some of the notables in our genre. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's something that you wanted to do, but I mean, you could definitely do that as as kind of an, an English adjunct. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes, I mean that's the, I mean that's that, that that's that's some somewhat similar to to, to what I'm trying what I'm trying to work on. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, let's, the 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 funny thing about academia is you know you have to is you kind of have to have all your ducks in a row before you can present like especially new information. Uh, right. That's 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 why I'm, I'm kind of wary about about you know going full blown detail. Um, but I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what's coming up in the future for you? Let's talk about what do you think, where do you think you see yourself in, uh, you know, the next five years? Five years, hopefully with this degree. Yeah. (laughs) That's one. Um, I hope to have a full-time position at someone's institution. Hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, HBCU. Um, mm-hmm. I see myself teaching because because my I have one one of my degrees is in creative writing. Um, okay. I hope to be teaching creative writing and of course teaching some black speculative stuff. Um, and I hope within let's see five years. Within five years, I'm hoping I'm I'm hoping I'm working on if not putting out my fourth book. Uh, that's great, man. Yeah, because even even now I'm working on the second. This in the editing process now. Um, sure. You know, say, yeah, Kenny and Stephanie, if you if you're listening, get to work. Um, <laughs> um, who we're working? On, I'm working on that, and uh, I'm hoping to have that out um, this summer. Uh, right. I do think, though, because I'm about to get into sort of the latter part of my degree program, I think I may have to put off doing any other books until I'm finished. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yes. Um, so I'm hoping to get, to get this second one out 
and maybe within the next two years, or so, maybe within the next two years, um, I'll be wrapping up with my program so I can put put full force into the next one. Well, wow. And and then, you know, the, and, and the other part I'm kind of curious, do you have other kind of speculative universes that are kind of waiting in the wings or or are you just kind of working on this one now? Because, I mean, you, this one that you've got now has got legs. Yeah. You know? I'm, um, and I, I think that's kind of why I'm ju- I just have this one. Because yeah. I, um, my editors and and people who have who have seen like uh, people who have seen my work can tell you I have some I have little pencil illustrations of what the map looks what the world looks like I have like files for my characters you know vitals for them like so many story arcs character development jotted down um, um, I have all of this work put into trying to make this world, the world of Kolaris, that's the planet, um, Kolaris, um, making mm-hmm. this into a complete universe, making this into a complete place. So right now, all of my energy is focused towards this. But even with mm-hmm. that, like um, like I said, I, got, I have the idea for five books. Um, I'm always l- looking to expand. Like yeah. if, if this continues to where it is, like even after that five, like I could still expand. Right. That's pretty nice, man. That's pretty nice that you you you've got kind of a path forward. You've got you know you know where you're going to go, and um and and you know the sound it sounds like from the feedback you get from your work that it is appreciated by your by your target audience. Um. When when you think about when you think about the commercialization of your work, you know, do you see, you know, right now it's in written form with with some illustrations. Do you see expanding, you know, into some other kind of uh, other other kind of medium, you know, kind of a, a transmedia um, yes. treatment where you see it as maybe cartoons or or even. Uh, you know, webisodes or something, or movies or things like that. Are you thinking in t- in those terms yet? Yes, I actually, um, I actually was having a conversation about this with one of my friends a week or two ago. Um, I it has always been my dream to be transmedia, um, to have different, to have different things on different um, on different platforms. Um, I kind of. Hmm, it used to be a point in time when I wanted a video game series. Right. That's when I was. That's when I was so deep in gaming. Like I played. I made up even like the levels and the reward system for the game that I wanted to design. Um, mm-hmm. I'm still. I'm still not adverse to that. Um, and but recently I have gone into where I, if. Um, with the video game series, I was thinking about movie series as well. But recently, the way I, how I have watched media develop and things change and go around, I'm actually right. thinking about streaming services like Netflix or Amazon. Even even YouTube has like shows and things now. Um, like I've been well, thinking con- more so about content is king. You know, content is yeah. king. If you put together, 
you know, a, a great content, people are going to people. There are enough people out there to appreciate it. the The challenge is getting your work to be seen above the background noise of so many people out there who are trying to, who are also trying to be seen. Right. You know, that's that's the tough part. Um, I think that's every every creative's challenge at this point. Um, do you have and and let me ask you that? Do you have a marketing plan? You know, even though you're very busy with school and do and and have a job, you know, teaching. Do, you know, do you have a marketing plan in place that you can slowly but surely kind of pull to the forefront and and work your you know work work your plan to get more notice and to build up your readership. Well, yeah, this is part of it. <laughs> oh, um, being on the show and stuff like that and, and getting yes. your name out there. <laughs> yes. Um, I have, before I put out my series in 2015, I started my website and blog. Um, right. At, um, yeah, mhaines.org. Um, yeah, I put the I put the yeah I put the link in there, but uh, yeah, tell everybody what it is now. Yeah, it's um, mhaines.org. My name m h a y n e s dot org. Um, and I did a lot of I do blogging. I try to spotlight other artists, creatives, groups, things of that sort, um, and all these sorts of things to try to bring traffic to my name. Because incorporated into the website and blog, of course, is information about my series, is a store where the merchandise is available, um, uh, is a calendar for events and things that I'm going to travel to. Um, so the popularity of my blog has helped me to sort of get my name out there, along with social media promotion. And like I said, I always, I'm, because I'm traveling either always for conventions or these conferences, um, I always try to I always weave uh, weave in my work. Um, every presentation I've given for the past two years has been on black speculative fiction, has been on some right. form, has been on something about that. And I always try uh -huh. to bring in my work, give you know, talk about my my series and things that other people are doing too. Um, what else? Something else? Um, yeah, speaking engagements because I am a teacher, like. I'm able to kind of slide my stuff in through there, um, <laughs> and I, I must say I'm I'm able to you know to go to other people's classrooms and you know talk to their students about my work and other people's work. So I'm definitely trying to take advantage of the opportunities I have now to market. But I sure. know, like you said, once it once things die down, as far as my business, especially with school, like I can put full 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 speed ahead. Man, you know, it, it, and and what people don't realize before they get into this is that, you know, when you become a creative, and if you don't have, you know, some sort of big marketing machine behind you, essentially you are an entrepreneur, and yeah. and you you are invested, fully invested, in having to fill all the roles necessary. For a business to run, you know that means marketing, yeah. that means accounting, that means prioritizing, that means maybe even hiring and firing, and you know the, right. all of all of the the aspects of running a business. And yeah. and sometimes creatives don't always have the natural business inclinations 
Right. But it, it's such a good idea. I mean, it's an essential idea to get your your you know to wrap your your brain around all of those aspects. And the other thing that people tend to scrimp on because it is a little expensive, but it can be far cheaper in the long run, is is get good legal representation. You know, what oh. what if you accidentally sign away your intellectual property because you couldn't read a contract? Right. You know, what right. if what if somebody takes your stuff away from you because you <laughs> you you were cheap, you know? Right. So so I mean there's a lot of things that go into putting together a business and that's what it is. Like I, I want to do a feature film and mm-hmm. one of the things about doing a feature film is you have to start a company. You know, I'm not Warner Brothers or Sony. Um, you know, I'm I'm an independent, so I have to start a business in order to manage this this film process, to do pre production, to do hiring, to do firing, to to hire contractors to do things, stuff like that. So, you know, I think one of the things, if I were to generalize, and I know this is painting with a broad brush, but it's more true than not, if you're, if you're just starting out, if you have your first book, your first uh, comic, your first short story that you're trying to pitch to somebody, if you're looking for an agent, if you're looking for a publisher, there, there are certain ways that you have to do things. And, you know, I, I tell this funny story, and it's quick. Um, I wrote my first book in 2001, and it wasn't published until 2009. But it, you know, I participated in a lot of networking with writers, writer groups, things like that. And universally, every single black author, a black writer, whatever you want to call them, black writer who I spoke to, I said, "Well, so so, how are you gonna how are you gonna get this out there? How are you gonna market it?" And they all said the exact same thing. I said, "Well, you know, I'm gonna get it to Oprah." And then I'm going to have her put it on her book <laughs> list, and, and then I'm set for life. And I, you know, af- after a while, you know, after saying, "Do you really think that's going to work?" I did some research on my own, and Oprah at that time, Oprah had a 28-year-old white woman reading all these books. She didn't read all those books. And then after Oprah got burned a couple times, you know, and and she chose David Copperfield. I said, "Oh, the jig is up." <laughs> She's not, you know. Well, she started the whole thing ostensibly to bring new talent to the forefront that would not have an opportunity, like me. Right, right. So then, you know, Charles Dickens probably doesn't need the marketing help. I'm just going to guess, you know, since he's dead. Um, but <laughs> but, she, but she, was, she got burned those two times, and she does have a temper, but she's the greatest smelling woman. I had, I got to hug her once. She smells so good. Anyway, but but see, but to have but to have your marketing plan be to have Oprah put your book on her book list is like playing the lottery as your retirement program. This you know, not, this is not smart. Yeah, yeah. So you you got a good head on your shoulders, and also you know you're in school, you're you're taking your time, plus you're managing managing to juggle you know, a number of things at one time, I don't see you running into that. Plus, you do have a plan. Um, yeah. You know, my plan is continue doing this. Maybe when I get some chunks of money, putting some targeted ads out there. Um, yes. it, it'll cost about $20,000 to do a full-page ad in the New York Times book section. But let's right. say I do that the weekend, you know, Black Friday weekend. 
and I got, you know, I got a full page ad in there about my trilogy. Well, I'm going to get, you know, probably 10 to 20,000 purchases of my books merely on the basis of people buying stuff because it's in the New York Times book section. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And 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 the, you know, the other thing is you know, I I could be provocative and say, "Oh, this is this is better than anything in the Star Trek or Star Wars universe." And then I'll get the haters who want to buy it, read it so that they could, you know, cut cut me a new one. But whatever it is, you know, my my marketing has to be carefully targeted because I don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars like, uh, you know, HarperCollins does to market right. a book. So it, it has right. to be smart. Um, it does. You, 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 have to, you have to have some, you have to have some business sense. You have to have, and this goes back to what I said about, to the reason why I said I want to keep my, keep my circle is the people that I know and trust because you need those people around you and those people who have expertise in different things who can help you to do different um, different tasks to right. really push this forward. Because, like I mentioned yeah. earlier, one of one one of my classmates, a uh, young young woman named Ebony, like she reminds me all the time. Talk about this. Talk about that. Go here. Do this. Talk about this. Talk about. Um, she helps me with a lot of my a lot of times when I go to these conventions. And sure. you mentioned you mentioned legal advice. I have a, I have another friend um, who who's linked me up with um, with a lawyer. Who's helped me to get that to get that thing sort of um, set up? Mm-hmm. Like all of these things, um, all of these people that I trust, really helping me helping me to move forward, um, and all these people in these different roles. And see, I think that's another thing that a lot of people don't really get, that a lot of people sort of forget. Um, you can't even even people like us who say you know no one can handle my dream like I can, even right. we can't do it alone. Well, no, that is like true. You, yes, like you need you need um, you need the help of people because you don't know everything. Um, and there's there's nothing wrong with you know with seeking that help. Now, yes, you need to be careful about who you ask for help. But there's nothing wrong with looking with looking towards people like, hey, you're good in this, and I trust your judgment. Can you help me? Like because well, it, because go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was I was just gonna say because um because we don't have the hundreds of thousands of dollars because we don't have like that you know never ending stream of marketing tool and revenue and things of that sort like we have to right. use the tools that we that we do have and a lot of times that tool is the community. That's true. That that is very true. <laughs> and 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 one of the things that people don't realize is that networking has real value. You know, that, you know, finding finding people who may just answer a simple question that can keep you from losing your hat is uh, it's huge. You know, I, I I've met I I actually met a, a someone at where was I? I was at a networking meeting talking about being published and talking about my first book. And I met this woman and she formed a writers group that I joined and and it was very very helpful in putting things together, um, helping me with my writing. And one of the most important things that I learned, which is hard for anybody, is that if somebody reads your work and they have a critique about your work, you can't argue with them. 
you know, that's, that's kind of counterintuitive because most creatives want to explain what it is that the reader missed. And that's not the way it goes. If the reader missed it, they missed it for a reason. So it's up to yep. the creative to figure out, well, where did I screw up? You know, and, and that was one of the rules that at first we had because a lot, you know, being new, I didn't know any better. I thought, well, maybe if I explain it, she'll understand it or they'll understand it or whoever will understand it. But then I realized, no, I understood the utility of just listen, write down what they said, and then go back and look at your work. What? So, I mean, you know, learning little things like that are invaluable and you may not learn them unless someone else is there to kind of help you along. Now, when you, were, when, you were, when you started writing, let me ask you this. When you started writing, did you have somebody help you with your books? And I'm talking about nine years old. Or did you do these stories all by yourself? Oh, no, at nine, I was completely by myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and, and, and then go ahead. No, I was, I was, I was going to, well, I think I was going to answer the question you was about to ask. Please do. No, just answer it. You know what it is. You know. I'm gonna say. Um, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say. Yeah. I'm gonna back. Back. I definitely. I didn't have anything then, but uh, I'm gonna say. But you know, now I'm seeing. You know, like okay. In order to really push this forward, like I need that. Like I need to. I I I need those outside people. Those people I trust. Right. Yeah. I. I. When I. When I was writing my first book, I would call people up at night and say, hey, can I read you something? And finally they, you know, <laughs> I wonder if some of them just didn't take calls sometimes. But <laughs> but then, but, well, no, but then I realized, why don't you just write the whole thing instead of going, you know, chapter by chapter and then trying to figure out if people like it or not because they may not remember all the other stuff. But But you're right. I mean, another set of eyes is always good. Two sets of other eyes is even better. Three sets of eyes is better than that. And so that's why I have I have beta readers who do read what I what I write. Um, who who does who serves that function for you? Oh my, um, really a, a a number of people, but the the primary people are are the ones who um, the ones who help me edit. Um, the ones I talked about earlier, uh, my best friend Kenny okay, yeah. and Stephanie. Yeah. Okay, so and, and they, they also help you with content too, with kind of where the story's going. Where, um, in yes, um, they they do. We go through several different rounds of editing. You know, like the sure. first round may just be like line editing and just you know like right. some comments on on story and content. And like maybe the second round will be purely on like okay, well no, this I don't know about how where this story is going and so on. So because mm-hmm. we go through so many different rounds, like we're able to look at pretty much everything. That may, I mean, obviously that makes sense. Um, what I have found is I, at first, I had friends, you know, do my beta reading. And then I realized, okay, there's good and bad to that. It's good because they're willing. But if you've got a very good friend, they don't want to hurt you you know, by by telling you if something really stinks. I mean, I would hate to be put in that position myself. You know, if yeah. somebody gave me something and it was just terrible, but they didn't know it was terrible, and then I'd have to sit down and try to figure out how do I explain it's terrible without hurting somebody's feelings. So, you know, people people who are very close to you have a, have a buy-in. But, you know, I, I'm kind of like you. I, I do trust my 
editors, you know, to to give me a sense of where things are. But I also have I have a pool of about ten people now. Mm-hmm. So then you know I can I can give it to two or three of them and say, hey, who could you could you you know do your thing with this? Take a look. Let me know what you think. And and since they're not as close, or they they're used to doing this and know what the process is, um, not only do I get a kind of a trustworthy read, but they're you know they read critically so that they could give me some useful feedback. So that's pretty good. Um, in in the in getting to where you are from nine years old to here, if you were going to talk to somebody, maybe somebody getting ready to start out. What, what's been the most valuable lesson that you've learned as as a content creator? Um, hmm. The first thing that comes to mind, um, remember I told you about the Afrofuturism thing at Clark Atlanta? Sure. Um, right. I met Yatasha Womack there um, because, you know, she is a Clark Atlanta alum. She wrote, she literally wrote the book on Afrofuturism. Uh, oh, yeah, I helped her format her, uh, her, uh, Rayla, her her first Rayla novel. Go ahead. I'm yes, sorry. yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah. So I met I met her there, um, and this was I think I had just put out the book by the time when I met her, and I sat down and, I had, and we had a conversation, and I was mm-hmm. explaining to her, you know, that uh, I was worried, like I was worried about how people were going to take it, and you know, I had been to I think I had been to a convention by then. And you know, I said right. people were telling me it's like, oh, I didn't know, I didn't know, you know, where this book fit. You know, um, I told her, I said, um, I wanted to write a fantasy, but people are telling me it's more science fiction, and like, you know, I wanted to write it for this audience, people were telling me it's for that audience, and so on. And I was kind of asked her, you know, like, what should I do? And she looked me in my face. She said, that's not that's that's not your problem. It's like you are not you. you it's not your job to try and figure out how people are going to classify your work. You're putting right. out a work, I'm going to say, because you're passionate about it, because it's what you wanted to do. You put it in because you wanted to share it with other people. You put that work mm-hmm. out there, and you let them worry about what kind of box they're going to try to put you in. Like, you don't, I'm going to say, you don't, don't let that stifle your work. And... I feel like that was so important because I was worried. Like, I was thinking about, you know, oh, well, do I need to dial back on these elements? Do I need to bring more of this to the forefront? But mm-hmm. hearing her say, like, don't worry about that. Like, do right. what, your heart, what your heart and your mind tells you to do. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of people don't – well, I, I I think you've gotten to the point where you are – comfortable and confident with your work. You know, a lot of people just starting out don't have that comfort level and, and probably need a little bit more, what do you call it, guidance maybe? Or or maybe some help being, you know, understanding the, the critiquing process. Because, you know, a lot of people starting out consider a, any criticism as some sort of invalidation of self. Right. Which is just, right. not, which is just not true. And, and it's tough, right. you know. Taking criticism is not easy. I'll be the first one to mm-hmm. say that. Um, mm-hmm. I will tell you, uh, I got uh, I got really pissed off when I got my first one-star review for my first book. Mm-hmm. Then I sat back and I thought about it. You know, it was a white guy who said, well, you know, I, could, I couldn't get into the, the premise. You know, it was more like a Saturday Night Live uh, sketch than, uh, than a book. 
than a than a good story because you know being white, he just couldn't understand why black folks would want to go to the backside of the moon and just live with their own kind. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I you know my my perspective is a lot better now than it was you know ten fifteen well ten years ago no not not quite ten years ago but um, that I think I think one of the hardest things is for me at first was the criticism thing, you know, to, to hear a critique that might, that said, well, you know, this is not so good. This is not so, you know, I actually had one of my, one of the the smartest people I know say, you know, you made this character very shallow. Why did you do that? And then I had to actually stop and rewrite my book to make him a better character because the guy was right. So, yeah. Um, let's let's kind of switch gears here because we're we're we got about eight minutes left. Let me ask you in in getting to where you are today creatively, not school, not you know, um, what what's the worst thing that ever happened that you look back on and you go, man, that was messed up. Or have you had an opportunity, or or not an opportunity, but an instance where where you ran into you know, some sort of problem that was pretty major for you? Um, hmm. The, honestly, the the first, when you asked that question, the first thing that came to my mind was really wrapped up in school. Um, okay. Hold on. Um, so I'm thinking, um, huh, okay. Um, as I said, I've been writing for a long time. Sure. Um, yeah. So, um, and but I had stopped for a moment for a while when I first got into college. Um, I took a class when I was in college. It was a short story class, um, and find, it was an English class um, because I was an English major in college. Our final project for the class was um our final project for the class was to write a short story. So um I created mine and mm-hmm. you know it was a it was a time for me to go back to my roots and I really enjoyed it. It was the first short story I had written in a while. It was the first it may have been um it may have been the first realistic short story I had ever written. And I was proud right. of myself for it. Um so fast forward to the end of the school year, the end of the semester, I looked at my grade for the class and I got a C. <laughs> okay. So my That was first a shocker was, for you, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. I was like, Well, my story was that bad. <laughs> so I went to um so over the summer, you know, I was messaging the teacher like, Hey, like was my story that bad? Like, you know, I really want some feedback, like what happened? And right. when she finally when she finally didn't respond, she just said, "Let's talk face to face when school lets back in." I said, "Okay, cool." So first day of school, immediately I was at her room the first uh, <laughs> first day. <laughs> okay. Um, and she told me, and I'm paraphrasing, but she basically told me that you know, you Marcus, you're a great student. You know, you're always attentive in class, and I didn't want to fail you. Um, but when I when you got this story, like it was so it was 
so good. Like I didn't, I wasn't sure because I've never seen your write your creative writing before. I didn't know if you had done it or not. And she said, I googled the title because I was and still am terrible at making titles. So I titled it off. I titled it "Stick to the Status Quo," which okay. I am, I am, un, I am a, a little bit ashamed to say came from a high school musical song. Okay. Um, and she said, she, she explained and when she Googled it, that, you know, all these things came up. Understandably, High School Musical was extremely popular at the time. Right. Um, so she was like, I couldn't be sure if you had created this or if you had copied and pasted it. But I didn't want to fail you again because you were a good student, so I just gave you the C. So in, I've told that story a few times to students and to other people. And their usual reaction is like, oh, my God, like, that's insane. That's terrible. Like, she didn't trust mm-hmm. you. She didn't believe you. You know, she thought that you, were, that you were a cheater. She didn't think that you would write that well, and so on and so forth, which all of this may be true. But I actually, believe it or not, I actually was able to turn that into a positive because I told myself, like, I laughed about it um, at, a little bit after the fact where – I was so good that I, that, that I got a C because she didn't think that I actually could put this together. Right. So I kind of I, – that really sort of reinvigorated me. It showed me, like, hey, if you're that good, maybe there is a future for you doing this writing. Maybe there is something you can do with this. So from then, I got back to writing stories. That was when I started writing many of my realistic stories that I've written. Um, um, It helped me to get into my master's program to get my degree in English and creative writing. Um, And it it, it came from that. So it was a a negative experience of pretty bad things. Are you there? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I thought my phone had dropped the dropped the show. Um, well, man, you know, I I guess the biggest thing I want to say right now is I want to thank you for being here, um, thank Marcus. You for having me, man. This, I mean, you know, first of all, it's cool to talk to a young person mm-hmm. um, because because your perspective is a little different from mine. You know, I am a rocking chair and a porch away from being that guy. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. You know, get the hell off my lawn. Um, but, but it's also cool to watch you. I mean, you're juggling a lot. You're juggling, you know, obviously uh, getting your doctorate, teaching and, uh, and trying to be a creative all at one time. And, <clears throat> you know, apparently you're very successful at it which is obviously laudable and and it it speaks well of of you being able to prioritize and um and actually just get things done. So I want to congratulate you on that. I look forward Thank to you. watching your career um and and probably we'll have you back obviously um through the years and and when one of the things I'd like to ask you to do is when you know you're going to be at one of these conventions um, post it up in the BlackScienceFictionSociety.com website oh, cool. in the events calendar because mm-hmm. then that way people who are in the area can come and meet you. Right. Most definitely. I would definitely do that. Um, and we got a lot of people in that area. Go ahead. I'm sorry. 
No, I was going to say, um, well, if um, if anyone is going to, I'm going to say the next event is the academic conference, but I'll be in San Diego in April on April the 14th, I think, for the pop culture conference, um, national pop culture. I'll be out and about there. Um, then after that, the next big convention I'll be at is probably in D.C. for Blurred Con. Mm-hmm. So well, I'll definitely you know, I'm to keep that up. <laughs> I will. Yeah, I don't put them on the calendar because I don't want anybody robbing my house while I'm out of town. But, you know, that's just me. Um, anyway, Marcus Haynes, I want to thank you for being here, man. This was a pleasure. And oh, thank uh, you. I, I really enjoyed talking to you. For those yes. of you who don't know, Jarvis is on the road. He's heading back to Atlanta for. Do you know what uh, what conference uh, convention he's going to, Marcus? Oh yes, he's uh, the Atlanta Sci-Fi uh, and Fantasy Expo. Okay, so yes. if any of you are in the area this weekend, that's where Jarvis will be. Stop in, say hi to him. Um, as, as usual, I will take his his role and thank everybody who <clears throat> participates and listens to the show, whether it be live or as a podcast. We appreciate your your patronage and your attention. Um, yes. Doing this doing this show is a labor of love for me because I haven't gotten a raise in the whole five years I've been doing it. But uh, <laughs> anywho, again, I want to thank Marcus. I want to thank Jarvis. I want to thank everybody who helps keep this thing going. Wish everybody a great weekend. Don't forget to change your clocks. Um I think what do we do? We spring ahead, right? We lose we lose an hour. We lose an hour. And, yeah, which means that there is going to be a spike in heart attacks and heart failure this weekend and Monday. Well, that's what happens when, when daylight really? savings change. Yes. Wow. A lot of people don't know that, but there is. It's no. it's, it's pretty weird. Wow. You know, November I'm not I think depression peaks. And when daylight savings um, goes away, because we do it so late in the year now, you know, you you come home Friday from work and it's still light out, and then Monday when you come home from work, it's dark. So you know that's the big shock. But apparently, this uh, the uh, the springtime is when you know all kinds of medical things happen. So everybody, be careful. Try to get some extra sleep. You know. Uh, and uh, we will see you all next uh, next week with another exciting guest. Um, Marcus, hang on um, after the show. I've got a couple things. And everybody in the chat room, thanks for stopping in. We always appreciate you being there. And uh, I will catch everybody else next Friday. Good night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.